Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and it's showtime again in beautiful Berks County, Southeast Pennsylvania, Delaware Valley, again on this beautiful global warming Saturday, right here on AM Radio 1180 WFYL Radio. We've been with you every every Saturday morning right here at this time uh, for the last five years, and we've been doing it, and we've been able to do this because you folks tune into us every Saturday morning at this time because you want to hear our our expert opining on the issues of the day, and you uh, you know that we're the oasis of truth here in Southeast Pennsylvania and the Delaware Valley. So whether we live, whether you live in Reading, or whether you live in uh, King of Prussia, whether you live in Jenkintown, or whether you live in in Perky Element, folks, it doesn't matter. You're tuning in to us because you know that we're the oasis of truth, and we're going to bring you this perspective at the speed of sound. And we're going to jump right into it today. We're going to be talking a little bit about about how we've got Hillary Clinton calling for deprogramming. Uh, that's right, deprogramming. She just called for deprogramming. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and how how that sounds awfully, awfully like Pol Pot and Stalin and everybody else. We're also going to talk a little bit about how the Democrats are now uh, a little bit of a, twat, a plot twist and they're going to start, they want to start building the wall. We're going to talk about the Speaker issues, the Speaker of the House issues. And, and we're going to talk, I want to talk a little bit about the essential church the film that uh, pastors who defied the lockdowns in California, and uh, my favorite pastor, John MacArthur, was on there. He was one of those, and uh, as he said, you can't out virus a virus. So, well, folks, we're going to talk about that, and uh, we're just talking about a whole lot more. So, here we go. Folks, you know, what's interesting is that Hillary Clinton just declared, just ba- she just declared, okay, she just declared that we need to, uh, we need to reprogram uh America first Republicans. That's right. So she's basically saying, and, uh, you know, she's warning that Americans and we're, we're moving society. And basically Hillary Clinton just confirmed that she wants to, what she's trying to do is she's trying to, she wants to deprogram Americans. I just find that very, very interesting. Okay. So she's on there with, uh, oh, I can't think of her name right now. Christine, I'm a poor at CNN. And she's talking about, um, uh, she says, you know, you saw the number of Republicans, she said, who voted along with Democrats to keep the government open. So there's clearly a common sense, sane part of the Republican caucus in the House. But she thinks they're going to be intimidated. And they oftentimes, she goes, and they oftentimes, she says, say and do things that they uh, they know are that they know better than to say or do. What's, what's interesting is that she's commenting on how Republicans are, um, you know, how Republicans are basically going to say, okay. Uh, the ones that the ones that compromise the same republic. As I spoke about this last week, I mean it's amazing to me. Where is where is the road of compromise when you're talking about uh, you know men can have babies? Okay, where is the compromise there when when you when you have people that want to ban parents from speaking at at board school board meetings? Where's the compromise on that? Where's where's the compromise on that? Where's the compromise as somebody that believes that babies who survive an abortion? Need to be left out of the left out on the on the side of the table over there, left to die. Where's the compromise with that person? No, where is the compromise with somebody who wants to tear down statues of George Washington or Abe Lincoln? Where's the compromise with those people? Where's where's the compromise? Where do you start with people who want to raise gas prices? Where's that compromise? Where does it begin? You know, what I'm curious to know is what they think and where that begins. You know, what what their idea of compromise is, because what we're talking about here. Is we're talking about Hillary Clinton declaring that the Republicans that give in to the insane left and compromise, okay, are the ones that they she calls that are sane, okay, common sense as she calls. Them. So she's now the noble carrier of it all. 
you see now you there are some out there maybe ever listening to me might say well i mean i'm declaring i'm the noble carrier well i'm really not i'm just declaring i'm the sensible one as, as i stated before i understand that that high gas prices are a detriment to this country and a detriment to 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 middle class americans i understand that high gas prices are will take down and destroy our economy i understand that joe biden's and and his and his minions in the in the radical left are looking to 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 destroy the the middle class okay they're looking to destroy the car manufacturing in detroit i understand that see i understand that i i know that you know i know what you know i know what when you when you when you close and when you discontinue the, the oil and gas leases in Alaska, I know it's going to drive up gas prices. I know that. I may be crazy, but I know that. I'm smarter than a fifth grader. I understand that when you provoke Putin by telling Putin it's okay to go into the Ukraine on a on a on a on a slight incursion. Okay, I know when you do that, you're provoking him into going in. Like when he said recently in a CNN interview uh, that we're running out of ammunition and we're getting low on supply. He actually made that comment. Okay, on CNN interview. And when he said that, he's speaking, I guess, to the Chinese. It's okay if you want to go into Taiwan because I'm low on supply. I don't know. I mean, America doesn't have the weaponry that we should have right now. We're a little low on ammunition. So I guess, you know, the Chinese are thinking about going into Taiwan. They're, they're going to be more empowered to do so. See, this is, he's provoking a lot of these statements. Now, I've spoken to people that basically say, okay, that, that, that his statements are not provoking they're just from an absent-minded dementia patient okay that's what i'm kind of getting from a lot of people but i honestly think that there's something to be said and maybe that is the case but there's also the very strong the very strong phenomenon factual phenomenon axiom if you will that when you say things like that on a global stage you're weakening our country you're weakening our foreign policy you're you're showing our weak flank if you will you're you're revealing you're revealing to you know, you're, you're dividing your forces. You're dividing your forces, and without knowing the disposition of your enemy, okay. And you're this is what you're doing, and this is what he's trying to pull, you know. So she's making these comments, and she's basically saying, okay, there are sensible Republicans that are okay with, you know, with high gas prices. They're okay with, you know, with a with a with a climbing inflation. They're okay with with bargaining and and negotiating with the. Democrat Party, as long as they maintain their, their own control over, over the minority party. She's telling us all, and she's confirming what we've been saying on our show all along, that there are Republicans, as she calls them, saying, okay, I, I, I am common sense Republicans. I call them, I call them corrupt compromisers, okay, rhino Republicans, otherwise, aka rhino. I mean, you got rhino Republicans out there who, who, are, who are okay losing, noble, nobly, nobly losing, okay, and, 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 and running the minority. Okay, they're okay with with running the minority, and 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 you know, I mean, they're okay with with being in the minority as long as they can control things. They're okay in coming in second as long as they're allowed to eat the crumbs from the floor. Okay, so she goes on to say that she says that's the way it used to be. Okay, well, she's right. That's the way it used to be. There were strong partisans in both parties, but the Republicans always gave in. They always gave in on things like gun control, climate change, and the economy, and taxes. So she talks about how they always gave in on those things because she said, you know, there, there, there was no extremism wagging the dog. So she calls extremists, the people that say enough of this compromise, enough of all this nonsense. She's calling that extreme, extremism. I say to people, I mean, those ships have sailed. Okay. When you're, like I said to you, and like I started by saying that when you ask somebody who says that it's okay to kill babies who survived an abortion by letting it just die as it gasps 
for breath and you know some ghastly description of a of a baby dying on the on the on the operating table as it survived the abortion actually went through the birth the birth canal okay I mean, she, we, we heard the governor, Ralph Northam from Virginia, say that's what he thought. He was on a radio show, and he said it. And I saw the video of it, so I didn't hear the radio show because I don't live in Virginia, but I saw I saw what he did. That was, it was ghastly to see it, and you should have seen the expression of the, of the reporter that asked the question. But again, according to Hillary Clinton, we're all extremists, okay? And that's what it comes down to, okay? I mean, after all, we know how jobs are created. Hillary Clinton doesn't know how jobs are created. I know that I know Joe Biden doesn't know which day of the week it is. Okay. And I know, I know that, you know, got Kamala Harris is trying to figure out what, you know, what, 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 what color to, what color dress to wear or something. She's just thinking about what, why school buses are yellow. Okay. She's, she's, they don't have any sense of significance of, of their own of their own positions. They kind of lose track of the fact that they're the ones in charge. It seems like they're waiting for people to come out and make decisions for them. And it seems like they're kind of waiting in the sidelines. That's what seems really strange. So she's calling these people mag extremists who get their marching orders from Donald Trump. Oh, and she says he has no, no credibility left by any measure. She says, because he's defending himself in civil actions or criminal action. So she's now she's referring to the 91 indictments that Donald Trump has 91 indictments. She's certainly not not declaring of the 91 indictments that John Dillinger was arrested with or, or Al Capone because they weren't they were not arrested for 91 indictments. No, no. Those hardened criminals didn't have 91 indictments, but we did find 91 indictments in four grand juries for Donald J. Trump. I think that's in, that's a, that's interesting. That's called election interference. See, she she's she's in denial. She as I said before, they they're evaporating all all rational rationality around them as they declare that we have fair elections and as as they as she declares this okay as she as she declares that these extremists who who don't want to admit that they lost the election okay as she's saying that okay she's you know she's she's forgetting the fact that she herself declared that the 2016 election was unfair but but you know she's 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 saying these things about the extremists in the republican party and and then you know bottom line is I guess it's extremist to say you you don't believe the election results were fair. I guess it's you know it's it's extremist for somebody else, but not for her to say it because that's exactly what she said. We all remember that. But anyway, so she goes on to say there needs to be, there needs to be a formal a formal deprogramming of the cult members, and she goes on to say that's something that needs to happen. Now, look, Americans need uh, need to be aware and need to be cognizant. Of the facts that of the fact that we're moving towards a society where where conservatives could face political persecution, and we've been saying that on this show, Hillary Clinton just confirmed that. Okay, you know she went on there, like I said, she's telling all these people at some point that there needs to be a formal deprogramming of the MAGA cult members, and sadly, so many of those extremists take their marching orders from Trump. She goes on to say her suggestion came one day after. You know, she makes this claim. She makes this one day after Newsweek published a report alleging the FBI was targeting Trump supporters ahead of the 2024 election. So we just seen, okay, we've seen that that there's the FBI is out there, um, published the FBI, okay, published a report alleging that the FBI uh, targeting Trump supporters ahead of the 2024 election. So, of course, Donald Trump condemns Hillary's remarks. You know, he says that, that, you know, countless times that they're only coming after him, but because he stands in their way of co- they're coming after us, people like 
than one America first. You know, but Hillary Clinton, that she, again, she just confirmed it all to be true, okay? Tens of millions of Americans are going to reject the Democrats' party's re-education camp agenda, okay? And we're going to end up making Donald Trump the 47th president in the United States, and, and that's what's going to happen. So, you know, they're, they're blasting her Soviet-style, Pol Pot-style, if you will, okay? I mean, they're calling her truly sick. They're, they're basically saying that she had the, the 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 problem is what she's saying is in line with the vast majority of the Democrat Party leaders. You see, there's an axiom that we can all understand and we can all know, okay? And that is a society is defined by what it will not tolerate, okay? It will not tolerate. And again, when God wanted us to know his will and how to live, he gave us the Ten Commandments, not suggestions, commandments, okay? And our traditions and lives are defined by what we tolerate and what is not tolerated. So the woke revolution, the America-hating Hillary Clinton types, okay, the nature of these people cannot be purged. It can't. You know, unlike Mao Zedong or Pol Pot or Vladimir Lenin, uh, Vladimir Lenin or, or Joseph Stalin, okay, what they're advocating for. Because you see, they all became drunk on their own purifying elixir. That's the facts that we know and understand. So their revolution spun out of control, period. It just did as they tried it purge out independent thought in favor of groupthink. So the problem with woke communism socialism is they believe they can change reality by yelling at it. That's what they think. You know, it was Abe Lincoln who said, you can can repeal and purge historical facts to alter what people know, but you cannot change human nature. There are stark similarities between Mao Mao Zedong's revolution, Pol Pot's revolution, Joseph Stalin's revolution, and today's woke revolution and what Hillary Clinton just said. You know, Mao Zedong ordered the Chinese people to throw off the old thinking, the old culture, the, the old customs, the old habits. You see, he ordered the Chinese people to throw off their whole life overnight. And even if you resisted, you were attacked by the Red Guard Army of purifiers who went around the country putting dunce caps on people who didn't take the chance, who didn't, who didn't take the, the, the chance of, of changing into the new Chinese mortal being that Mao was ordering, it, you know, they didn't want that. They didn't want to take that chance, so they were in prison. About 30, of, 30 million of them were killed. To put that in perspective, that's two and a half times the size of Pennsylvania, okay? 30 million Chinese were killed by Mao Zedong. That is the population of the whole state of Florida, okay? Um, Nikita Khrushchev, one time as he was slamming his, his, uh, his shoe on the table in the U.N., you know, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, Nikita Khrushchev made a comment that if Russia came in and took over, they'd have to kill about 45 million Americans. That's what he said. Folks, they know that the only way they're going to purge America is to get rid of the people who stand in their way. That's what they're looking at. So those that decided that pretending the change and, you know, and living a life in constant fear of the Red Guard was better, they, 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 they decided pretending the change was better than the Red Guard and coming and taking them out to, to their certain death or a life in a re-education camp or worse. You know, the bottom line is they put these people off in camps. But there were others that said, I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to pretend to change and live a life in constant fear. I'd rather do that than go off to some re-education camp like the Hillary Clinton's advocating for. So what's going on today with this woke revolution is people are being canceled or demonized for their exercise of free speech, you know, I, I think it's really interesting, okay? Because what they're what they're basically saying is, you know, that and what they do is they shut out your free speech. They make you afraid to talk. They make you afraid to say things. And by by that, 
by virtue of them making you afraid to say things, threatening you, threatening you with the possibility of legal indictments or whatnot, by them, by them counting up 91 phony fake indictments on Donald J. Trump by then doing that, okay, they're basically instilling fear, they think, in Americans. They won't speak out. They know better. You know, this is kind of like what you're seeing right now. See, if they can get you to not talk, then they, they by virtue of definition, they've, they've, they've affected your free speech. That's the truth, okay? I mean, using your own pronouns anymore is going to get you into trouble, and that's just the insanity of it all, okay? Today's Red Guard is on Twitter and social media. That's where they're at. They're on social media today. And Winston Marshall's a musician. He was a banjo player for, I guess, Mumford and Sons. I never heard of who these people were. But they uh, they supported a book on social media, unmasked about how how Antifa's objectives and plan is to destroy our country. So they put that out there. And then they were canceled on social media and issued an apology stating that they, you know, they come to better understand the pain caused by the book he endorsed. So, so Winston Marshall had his free speech violated, not in a court of law, but by intimidation. These people are violating your free speech by intimidating you to not say anything. And when you do, and they, they insist that you need to apologize, you apologize. Well, that's, that's just ridiculous, folks. That's the world we're, we're creating right now. Keep in mind, okay, the pain, okay, the pain caused by a book, okay? You know, you wonder, you wonder, did Winston Marshall hit somebody in the head with that book? I mean, I, I, if they did, then there would be pain with that. But but how could how could pain be inflicted, okay, by by his endorsing a book? How could that actually cause pain? What what happened to reading whatever you want? What happened to that? You know these 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 these, these radical jockabits, okay. And this is what they are. They're radical jockabits, you know. And 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 they're they're a countercultural political activism that wants to burn down our traditions and our constructs they they conjure up and produce psychological myths as facts and then probably this in the, into our institutions and what we're doing is we're teaching our children how to we're teaching them how to be revolutionaries we're teaching their revolution okay we have anthropologists in universities claiming that civilizations existed that never did exist this is an amazing phenomenon this is happening folks we have in our universities anthropologists, that's right, college professors claiming that civilizations exist that never existed in the first place. This this false anthropology claims that back when Judaism started, there was an, there was an, uh, some sort of a civilization in Europe that was overthrown by invasions and, and wars during the Bronze Age that was dominated by women. I, mean, I wondered, where is this coming from? So this she makes a declaration, this college professor, okay, Mariah Gumbadis, okay, she makes this 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 declaration, if you will, okay, without any evidence. And she's allowed to do this in college at UCLA. So she's allowed to do this without just to do it. I mean, it's it's fake anthropology is what it is. And it's 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 you know, I mean, the bottom line is Mariah Gumbadis, so who was you know she's a UCLA anthropology professor, was who indoctrinated our young people about this impressive patriarchy. So she's talking about some civilization that never existed. There's no evidence of this psychological myth. There's, there's no evidence at all. But why can she do this? How can she do this? This is what's going on in our universities today. This is what's going on. I mean, I gave. I mean, this is an actual description of who this person is. Marija Gimbadis. Okay, you can look her up. G-I-M-B-U-T-A-S. She's a UCLA anthropology professor. Look her up. Check it out. And, and, and I'm telling you, you know, you, 
you 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 got to understand, okay? Our nation and our advancements and wealth was created. They there was people that believe that our nation and our advancements and our wealth was created by oppression and theft. That's what they're. These people want to want our children. That's what this is. What they're teaching our our young people, okay? Was they're teaching our young people that all the good that we have in this country was created by oppression and theft. And so they said the only way to change this is is from the ground up to burn down the traditions and the constructs. This is what they want to do. This is the ideology grounds for the social revolution we're seeing today. These false anthropologists and other fake experts live in a world of denying the, the existence of reality and develop an intense hatred of those who live in reality. I mean, they're actually calling capitalism and our pursuit of happiness, they're calling that tyranny and oppression. The people that buy into this revolutionary activism end up with horrible resentment later in life as they pass their productive years, their earning years. They pass them and they realize how they wasted their entire life. You know, the worst crime that someone could ever commit on themselves is a wasted life. Think about it. You know, don't miss that. I mean, I, I, I you, you see people today and they, they you know, they, they don't have, they, they're wondering what, what they're going to do in life, how they're going to handle their life. What they want to do, where where they want to be. There are people that complain all the time they don't have enough money to put gas in the car. I mean, you know, Michael Moore was on a set with Roseanne Barr, being interviewed by Roseanne Barr with Donald Trump there. And Michael Moore had actually called, was talking about his hatred of capitalism. As he said to Donald Trump, many people can't relate. They can't relate to what it's like to be in three unemployment lines. Here's a guy, 45 years old, who's on three unemployment lines. How are you on three unemployment lines at 45 years old? Unless, of course, you're, you just don't want to work. Unless, of course, you're, you know, you're putting yourself in a situation where you don't want to be working or whatever. You know, when you do work, you hardly work. You're a malcontent that can't get along with people. Maybe that's what it is. No, I don't know. You know, it, it's just an amazing thing. You know, you got to understand what people what make people. I mean, you, you got to understand what makes people angry at society. These oligarchs and the ruling class have corrupt ties to they they just have they have corrupt ties to their own laziness, their own lack of desire to do anything. They take out loans, they can't read, they can't write, and that's what they do. You know, they don't have any abilities, they don't have any desire to work. They're literally enslaved by by their lifetime of, of just laziness, sloppiness. You know, it just comes down to, and I think we have to realize there's a lot that we have to know, but this is their overturned reality. It's like a reverse world. It's like a kingdom where we're being lied to all the time. But these people are in this reverse world. They believe that everybody else owes them a living. You know, our education system is designed to keep people from learning to read and write. And Donald Trump talked about education when he was in that interview. And he looked at Michael Moore and Michael Moore did, it didn't connect with him. I mean, Michael Moore's like, well, look at me. I, I've been on three unemployment lines. I have a college degree. That's what he's thinking. Like a college degree was a guarantee for anybody. What's a guarantee is you go to work. You find a boss. Well, of course, you go to you, you, you go to work for your boss and you do what your boss wants you to do to the best of your ability. As long as your boss knows that you're there every day to do the job, they're going to continue to invest in you. You know, it just comes down to just going to work every day and, and giving you your best and having a good attitude. But I just think that Michael Moore missed that, you see. Well, anyway, I, I just think it's it's just imperative. It's just it's just interesting to see this. So, you know, she's you know, Hillary Clinton to me is what she's basically talking about. She's saying, you know, that, you know, she thinks that we need to go off to these, you know, these re the indoctrination camps or be re-educated, as she calls them, re-education camps. You know, again, there's a reason 
Stalin and Pol Pot and Mao Zedong had gulags, and there's a reason for that. See, gulags are a lot better than what the CIA has told us, they say, okay? So now we're seeing now we're seeing that these, these people, okay, are claiming that gulags are a lot better than what the CIA has told us they had they were like. Like people actually paid a living wage in gulags. They had they had uh, they had uh, visits uh, business of friends and family from gulags. You know, gulags are actually meant for a life edu- for like re-education themselves. That's what they're claiming right now. I mean, this is what people are claiming right now. So the greatest way to breaking uh, a millionaire a billionaire from their life of privilege and the idea that they're superior is to go out and break rocks for twelve hours a day. Like that's the best thing they think is good to do. Now you're a working class person, and you're uh, and you got to learn what what it means to to work, right? <laughs> this is what they this is what they they claim. See, the truth is, the left wants to silence the the Bible clinging deplorables, and that's no joke. This is what they want to do. This is what they're trying to do, and it's evidenced by what Hillary Clinton said. So let's not miss that, okay? Let's not miss that. It's just like I said, the the alternate realities. There's one common denominator that explains why. Previously successful societies implode. Okay, folks, and this it, what it is. This is there's a descent into fantasies. That's the common denominator. This the common denominator that explains why other successful societies implode in there. This because they descend into fantasies. A collective denial prevents even discussion of existential threats and their solutions. That's going on right now here in this country, folks. They were trying to silence it. Hillary Clinton's trying to silence it. Eight million illegal immigrants have entered the United States by the deliberate erasure of the southern border. And apparently, the Biden administration sees some unstated advantage in destroying U.S. immigration law and welcoming in would-be new constituents. Yet, the more the millions arrive, the more President Biden and his minions, okay, and Alexandro, Alexandro Mayorkas flat-out lied that the border is secure. As we stated, they both live in a world of make-believe passed off to the American people as reality. The more the Americans are lied to that the border is secure, the more they call currently 77% say it's not. So, O'Biden right now apparently, folks, is reversing his course now. He's beginning to use the former pejoratives of Bidenomics as a term of pride, which I think is interesting. So, he's he praises the three-year effort to borrow six to seven trillion spike interest rates threefold to seven percent on all mortgages. Even as prices on essentials like food and fuel have spiked 25 to 30 percent. You know, the more O'Biden brags about what he did to the economy, the more people poll over 60 percent dissatisfied with his alternate reality of Bidenomics. Do we remember the humiliation in August 2021 in Afghanistan with the, with the surrender in Afghanistan? Don't we remember that? Every time General Woke thoroughly, thoroughly woke Mark Milley, you know, the former Joint Chiefs of Staff. You know, and Biden assured the American military presence was stable, the, the more swiftly it crumbled and descended into the worst mass flight surrender of an American army since Vietnam. How about considering gas, natural gas and oil? Let's look at that. So the Biden administration waged war on both by canceling pipelines. That's right. They just canceled the, 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 the drilling on federal lands and all those oil fields. So now when they did that, of course, we knew it was going to happen. The price soared. And the 2022 midterms neared him, and he suddenly begged formally shunned uh, regimes like Saudi Arabia, Iran, and Venezuela to pump all the hated oil they could they could they could do. I'll pump it all to lower the price. So Biden was 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 desperate, okay, absolutely desperate. So now the, the, then he then he targets that 
the the much drained strategic patrol petroleum reserve and that by the way he has it refilled okay he's already emptied and drained the strategic oil preserve uh petroleum petroleum preserve uh, the, the strategic petroleum reserve he's already depleted it and he did it to simply lower the price of gasoline and win back voters to the democrat party so let's not drill let's just deplete let's just deplete the reserve the strategic petroleum reserve which is what he did you know folks the reason they call it strategic petroleum reserve they call it it's a strategic reserve of petroleum and the reason they have it is because in case we need it and we have at least fuel to in this country to fuel our fighting machine so when they drain that reserve we don't have the the fuel available to, to fight with okay or to run this country in any way so anyway so they just they did it they 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 drained the the the, the petroleum reserve they lowered the gas prices they won back voters and then they then the midterms passed and he resumes his attack on on on, on, on oil and gas but what's really even stranger still is the denial of current of the current crime wave in our our major cities it's amazing i mean you've got thugs and predators turning iconic downtowns into either war zones ghost towns or both you got smashing grabs swarming of stores and matter of fact shoplifting okay are destroying commerce in our major cities unsustainable stores either leave town or shut down communities who vote for politicians to defund police blame the the police <laughs> blame the police and then, then they blame the stores for leaving but they don't want to blame the criminals whose brazen thefts made it impossible to do business in the inner city now you got modern day pirates and impunity with impunity storm sink and rob boats of all kinds in the oakland marinas and estuary modern day pirates i mean they're robbing boats in the in the oakland marina and estuary think about that you got left-wing journalists and activists and even democrat communist politicians all supporting and defunding the police they can't they can't escape the resulting street violence and unleashed murderous predations that they just can't they can't figure it out see everyone knows the culprit is the post george you know floyd effort with with obiden's administration's complicity to defund the police and end cash bail institutionalized cash and release of criminals everyone knows the culprit is biden's administration's complicity to defund the police and end cash bails institutionalized cash and release of criminals and show more sympathy toward victimizers than than victims themselves you know neither state nor local officials nor biden himself even admits to a crime wave that's the fact the more the public is attacked and avoids major downtowns the more it pours but no the more the polls uh are affected over the crime wave and people see it the more our officials in in gaslighting style claim such alarm is is all in our collective heads the more that our elected officials claim that this is just solid in your heads. The more they themselves are attacked by the very criminals, their policies empower. Sometimes the fantasies extend to the trivial. For months, John Fetterman, you know, dressed like a, you know, like he was going out to a gym or something, okay, on, on the Senate floor as a gesture of approval, the Democrats joked the dress code so he could wear what he wants. You know, sloppy cutoffs and a hoodie. This is what he wears when he goes to work. Americans are to assume his slovenly costume was normal apparel when they were hypocritical for thinking otherwise. Then you have some Democrat in North Carolina, New York, a Democrat from New York, pull a set of fire alarm to disrupt and delay a vote by continuing the funding of the government. But he got caught on a Capitol surveillance video committing the crime. You know, Bowen, why that he got confused? He, you know, 
preposterously claim that the pulling of the alarm he thought was opening a door to go vote. Okay, I got to get the door open. So he makes it. He goes, I'm sorry. I thought that was a door handle. I didn't know that was a fire alarm. Again, pure fantasy. I mean, the fire alarm was clearly marked. The sign in front of the door warned not to enter. Another sign over the door that was the actual door. Okay. I mean, cut the comedy. This guy assumed by calling his critics, critics names and using the, you know, using, you know, claiming discrimination or something, he would, he could invent a virtual reality, but it didn't happen. And the, the, despite our, our epidemic of fantasy folks, there remains reality. So, and we're going to recover, we're going to rediscover it all very, very soon. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. But I mean, uh, what's going on right now in the house is pretty, it's pretty compelling again, because if Republicans are anxious to return and begin to they want to return the legislating. They they want that they can continue doing some of their work. So, the greater difference in dynamics is the lack of clear frontrunner. I think that's really what I'm thinking. Is really a reality. You know, McCarthy had overwhelming support from the Republican conference after the November election, and his nomination by House Republicans was very was never ever ever in doubt. But this now this battle here is not so clear cut. See, Jim Jordan and and, and Scalise they each bring a large block of support. But with others expected to jump into the race, no candidate is likely to receive majority support on the first ballot. So candidates are likely to withdraw and jump into the race as the rounds go by. What remains from January is the deep divisions inside the conference, mostly between, you know, I'm going to call them, you know, America first hardliners. And and then you have the rhinos. Okay, that's what I'm going to call them. You know, these, these wounds are reopened over the last month in achieving you know, achieving some sort of a commonality inside the conference might be more difficult now than now than nine months ago. That's a that's a fact too. The good news for Republicans, though, is they uh, they're going to have the opportunity to work this out behind closed doors and not on television before the eyes of the world. That's the truth. The only scenario in which Republicans would move the move the battle to the House floor without the outcome predetermined is if if weeks go by and and uh, and, and of course the attempts is, a real attempt is needed to jar loose. Any Republican, any Republican remaining opposed to the candidate chosen by the conference, that would be a nightmare scenario for Republicans who want to avoid another public embarrassment. So you know, there's this five questions that you got to ask. What what is like? How long is it going to take? Okay, because Republicans have no time to waste. They got to get this done. They got to get this done. Okay, Congress has got to fund the government by by November 17th. We're going to have a shutdown. But you know, basically. Uh, the state of the, the of the of the race and the temperature inside the conference it could take weeks before Republicans can work out their issues, and the House gamble, and the House gambles in the boat. Yeah, another question will be: will, will the holdouts agree to back the winner on the floor? See, nominating a candidate to send to the floor may be the easy part. And you got to remember, in January, McCarthy was formally nominated by the GOP conference. Twenty twenty of those who had voted for other candidates continued their opposition on the last floor. A handful finally agreed to vote present to allow McCarthy to get the bare minimum support he needed to win. But there are eight Republicans who voted to wreck McCarthy's speakership. And, you know, they're, they're, they're not the only possible holdouts. There's all kinds of personal grudges that go on that can keep members from backing the conference's choice. And the same divisions over spending and other issues that led to infighting during McCarthy's tenure remain. That's a fact. So it's absolutely critical for Republicans to get this worked out internally before a floor and a half vote. Now, look, another question is who who can win in such a divided conference? Who is it that can pull it off? You know, that's the million dollar question. And that 
So far, there's two declared candidates facing challenges to get 218 votes. So you got Scalise and McCarthy, you got bad blood between Scalise and McCarthy that could keep McCarthy's most loyal allies from backing Scalise under any circumstance, <clears throat> and concerns about his health as he undergoes treatment for blood cancer could hurt his candidacy. Now, Jim Jordan, Jim Jordan faces opposition from some moderates who they just don't like the guy since he led the mutiny against speaker-turned-marijuana lobbyist John Boehner. Now, think about that. The former Republican speaker, okay, before McCarthy, and before somebody else. Do you remember John Boehner? How many of you remember John Boehner from Ohio? So now he's a marijuana lobbyist. How about that? Other potential candidates carry baggage as well. McHenry and other loyal McCarthy allies are unlikely to entertain candidacies. You got majority wit Tom Emmer, who's a Republican from Minnesota. His, his antipathy to Donald Trump is likely disqualified the top spot in leadership. You got Elisa Stefanik from New York, and she she's eyeing a move up in the leadership ladder, but a jump, o- a jump over the whip and majority leader positions in speakership might not, but it may be a stretch. I don't think it's possible. Then you got a rules committee chairperson, the old school poll, Tom Cole from Oklahoma. Now, he was floated as a unifying candidate, although the reliable establishment have to work, they, they would have to, they would have work to do to win most, most of the conservative members of the conference and those desiring a break from the status quo. His fellow Oklahoman representative, Kevin Hearn, has not formally declared, but is campaigning for the spot. There's another nationally known figure. Even you know, he's not a nationally known figure, but he's developed strong relationships. He's chairman of the Republican Study Committee, the largest block of conservatives on Capitol Hill, and has shrewdly avoided making enemies inside the conference. Interesting. So, you know, some of you guys play politics really good. So Kevin Hearn, somebody I've never heard of, but, you know, he's he's staying out of trouble. He, he he avoided making enemies inside the conference. The Democrats are almost certain to follow Napoleon Bonaparte's maximum that when your enemy is ex- executing a false movement, never interrupt them. <laughs> so their decision to save McCarthy Tuesday forecasts that they'll not save the day and provide any votes or vote president lowering the threshold to win so it'll help Republican get the necessary majority. So, you know, and another question that's got to be answered. You know, what's going, what's Donald Trump going to do? Well, Trump's already, he's already endorsed Jim Jordan. He's already done that. He's already done that. So he's going to be in Washington Tuesday, and he, he got plans to visit Capitol Hill and talk with House Republicans. That's the fact. So, you know, he's open to serving in a short-term capacity as figure for 30, 60, and 90 period. While the holder of the position technically does not have to be a, ch- a member of Congress, this possibility is remote at best. So there's others that want Trump to be the temporary speaker for like two or three months. The more significant development would be for, is for Trump endorsement of another candidate right now. And I, I believe he got behind Jim Jordan, you know. So it's just interesting to see what, what it's all about and, you know, who's voting for who and how this is going down. But, you know, it all came down to McCarthy, you know, not not trying to bust up the debt problem and not trying to tackle it. McCarthy basically... Settle for a balanced budget and uh, without securing the border and not tackling the debt. These are problems that came up. I want to talk a little bit about the uh, essential church, and I think that's an important thing. Now, that's a movie that's out there, and then John MacArthur's in it. And, uh, you know, it's in, it's in Los Angeles, okay, and there's another one uh, in Calgary, Canada, okay. Tim Stevens was the pastor there. And then you have uh, Grace Life Church pastor James Coates, also in Canada. But there's three pastors there that... Uh, stayed open during COVID. The film discusses the reality and the risk of COVID virus and the likelihood of transmission in groups. 
It also speaks to the authority government has or should have to shut down churches. And, you know, I mean, bottom line is, you know, uh, it speaks to the role that civil government has in the church and and and, and when and, and how it should or should not be obeyed by Christians. John MacArthur would say you can't out virus a virus. That's just the bottom line. But many are faced with the health authority when the health authorities called a, a health calamity when COVID crisis began. These churches were forcibly shut down over their objections and they they felt in, in violation of their freedom of religion. So we know that the predictions of high contagion for the virus were overblown. And now we know that. It was certainly unlikely that was going to a Sunday church service would pre- present any art. But were the churches right to protest the shutdowns? Well, I, I think they were. And like I said, you're not going to have virus a virus. That's just a fact. You know, governments exercise a dangerous, dangerous authoritarianism that impinged on the freedom of religion by sending armed police to shut down churches during during that last pandemic. And Christians have responsibility to civil authority. That's the truth. But honestly, like John MacArthur said, you know, as he talked about the great heroes of the Bible, he says all of us like to talk about the heroes of the Bible as we study them, we talk about them, and we discuss them. Well, you know, you want to ask yourself, would Paul, the Apostle Paul, would he shut down during a pandemic? Would Peter shut down during a pandemic? I, you know, I I often wondered about it. You know, you wondered about people shutting down the churches. But John MacArthur kept his open. I was really, really impressed with that. Yeah, I'm really, really impressed with that. I want to talk a little bit about uh, former ESPN anchor Sage Steele. Oh, by the way, that, that movie, The Essential Church, is... Uh, it's number one on on uh, number one movie in the documentary category on iTunes. I wanted to talk about that, so I wanted to mention that number one movie in the documentary category on iTunes. I wanted to make sure I mentioned that. So now, while Biden did an interview with former ESPN anchor Sage Steele recently, and Sage Steele shared the sad details of that 2021 interview. I shouldn't say it was a recent interview, but they had this interview a couple of years ago. But but. These the details of the interview came out recently in an interview. They talked about how Biden lost his train of thought, how he struggled to maintain focus. And yeah. So, you know, Say Steele is on Bill Murrow's Club Random podcast, said that uh, the president couldn't finish his sentences that frequently trailed trailed off. The human aspect of what we're witnessing right now to me is heartbreaking, Steele explained. Steele also also said that Biden couldn't remember couldn't remember, couldn't remember her name. I mean, that's what it was amazing. So stay, stay still. She's doing the interview and Biden couldn't remember who she was. So here he's sitting down for an interview and then he says, and what's your name again? And you know, it's just really, really sad, you know? And uh, I just think it's important. I mean, this is when we talk about the cognitive decline that's going on. So Steele talks about how Biden started to tell football stories of his greatness. And he went on to have, have the best hands. He said, and, you know, he goes, what do you say to that? The steel continued, and there's the, here's the saddest thing. His voice just trailed off. I was good, and then, then he went silent, and then he goes, uh, never mind. So he actually lost his train of thought. He actually lost his ability to, uh, to, to cognitively think about the questions that she was asking and his answers and his story, and he lost it all, and he just he went off into, into, into the sunset, if you will. I mean, his condition was clearly, folks, has not improved since 2021. White House staffers had to cut the president's mic after he began rambling a coherently response to a question recently, earlier this last month. I mean, his staffers cut off the press conference. I mean, who is the boss here? His staffers or him? This is really, really compelling. I think what's what's telling on this is that you're looking at, you know, why why do people 
think that Biden is capable? Why do they think that he's actually capable of conducting and running the country? I mean, how does anybody think that? You know, when you look at old Biden right now, you understand that this is a this is a you know eighty two year old man that that's like going around like he's a hundred and two. Okay, he he falls going up the stairs. He can't. He loses his track, loses his train of thought in the middle of conversation. Forgets the names of interviewers. He he forgets where he's at. Sometimes you can see him just slipping off. You know, and it really does. It gets to the point when you look at, it, you realize, you know, that the people in this country are understanding this, and they want no part of it. They want no, no part of it. Believe me, folks, they want no part of it. And what we got to realize too is, when this election comes up, and the election as the as the election draws nearer, we're going to see this election unfold. But Americans are witnessing; they're witnessing the the election interference by these Democrats. They know that oh, Biden doesn't have the ability to win. This is the best they got. They're going to re reintroduce him to the to the cycle again. And I think as as a as an American voter, we got to look at that. We got to look and say, okay, are they going to try to create a scenario again where you get hide in the basement and avoid debates? He's already two points behind here in Pennsylvania, which is you know statistical noise. But believe me, he's not five points or ten points up here. And I think he knows it. He got big problems here in PA, and he knows it. As when Trump starts doing his campaign rallies, he's going to be coming back to PA again. You know, fill those arenas all over again. Trump will be all over the. Trump raised forty-five million dollars, forty-five million dollars in the third quarter. Okay, Trump has got about thirty-six million dollars in cash right now, cash on hand, right now. By the time the election rolls around, yes, he's going to win the primary handily. Okay, he'll be sitting on maybe two hundred million dollars. That's going to take hundreds of millions. It's going to take seven hundred million to win this race, eight hundred million to win the race. But he'll have he'll have a third of it already in. Then the Republican Party will just get, will have to, I mean, obviously with the with, with the summer campaign that goes out, he'll get a whole bunch of money in. He'll be running. See, Trump's going to get the free press. He's a master at the free press. And uh, it's just going to be very, very interesting watching him as he goes on to, you know, to, to, to put his message out there of America first and saving this country. Well, folks, we have to leave it there. Thanks to all of our listeners for being with us today on this beautiful global warming Saturday right here on AM Radio, 1180 WFYL. Tune in later today for our show, The Watch. We got a great show lined up at 1 p.m. Show up for that one there, folks. We had a great show. We'll see you next week on this show, The Point. I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.